Welcome to The Brainstorm, a podcast and video series from ARK Invest. Tune in every week as we react to the latest in innovation and reflect on how short-term news impacts our long-term views. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. ARK Investment Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. ARK and Public are unaffiliated entities and do not have a relationship with respect to either firm marketing or selling the products or services of the other. And therefore, ARK disclaims responsibility for any loss that may be incurred by public's clients or customers. The information provided in this show is for informational purposes only and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision and is subject to change without notice. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by ARK and investors should determine for themselves whether a particular investment management service is suitable for their investment needs. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by ARC and or show guests and are not endorsements by ARC of any company or security or recommendations by ARC to buy, sell, or hold any security. Historical results are not indications of future results. Certain of the statements contained in the show may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on ARC's current views and assumptions and involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. ARC assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking information. ARC and its clients, as well as its related persons, may, but do not necessarily, have financial interest in securities or issuers that are discussed. Certain information was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information obtained from any third party. Welcome to episode 17 of The Brainstorm. We're talking Meta and their new sweet sunglasses with Ray-Ban, some embedded AI, AI as an operating system, and we're joined by WorldCoin's CEO or the CEO of Tools for Humanity, which launched WorldCoin, Alex Blania. So we've got a great episode. Nick, uh, maybe we just start here. Google Glass, was it ahead of its time? <laughs> what did, what did Meta, what did Meta announce been. last week? Yeah, so last week Meta had their Connect conference and they showed off a wide range of different products, both on the hardware and software side. Um, they talked about a new VR headset, the Quest 3, a lot of innovation going into that. Uh, they also released a ton of new updates in the AI space, and I think that's what we'll focus on today. Um, but also they are continuing their partnership with Ray-Ban, Luxottica, and continuing development with smart glasses. But just to to summarize what they released in the AI space, because I think that really is the most interesting uh, part of what they discussed uh, last and week. L- let me just cut in quickly. Nick spoke about this topic for like two hours. I'm Friday. passionate, Sam. I'm passionate. I know. So, so he's gonna he's gonna break it down for everyone now in four minutes. So four minutes. Let's, well, let's see, I'll, I'll, let's I'll, see the synthesis. I'll, I'll do it in less. Um, but so, okay, the quick summary, we have new AI-related products, including Emu, which is an image generation tool, so think Dolly, Midjourney, uh, the Meta AI Studio for developers. Um, so this is a studio that developers will be able to create AI agents, chatbots. You'll also be able to interact with 28 celebrity-backed AI chatbots. If you ever wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons with Snoop Dogg as your dungeon master, that's now possible. Who knows? Um, they also release AI stickers and then also Meta AI. Meta AI is their in-house branded AI agent that I think, you know, this is where it becomes really interesting. 
to think of this agent, uh, Metas, is now going to be incorporated also within their smart glasses. Um, so you'll have this pair of Ray-Ban glasses and you'll be able to prompt your glasses just in the same manner as you would prompt Alexa or Siri on your phone or smart home device um, and ask the world uh, or ask the AI about the world that you're seeing and hearing. And that's the really interesting component here. This AI agent is going to be multimodal. So that means it'll be able to see what you see, hear what you hear. Hopefully there's a lot of privacy focus on that, but it's going to be quite an interesting concept. And maybe, you know, the more that I think about this, uh, a new user interface and potential first killer feature app for a pair of glasses. I've been looking at this space for the majority of my time at Arc, and I you know, haven't really been compelled by anything up until this point to really say, okay, this could be the first feature that makes smart glasses, uh, you know, take off in the U.S. in some capacity. The example and when you, they when gave. When you say that, yeah, yeah, well, why? Yeah, yeah, why, they, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, well, I mean, we can't really fathom all of the different ways that they're going to, you know, or how how developers will use this and what they'll develop it for. But you can think of it in a, a certain instance. The one example they gave um, was, you know, someone staring at a monument in New York City. I forget the exact monument, but let's just say it's the Statue of Liberty, um, because it can see through the glasses what you're seeing. You can say. Meta, uh, what, 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 you know, who, who gave us the statue? Uh, you know, when was it given to us? Any question you re would really want because it's going to be connected to Meta's large language model. Um, so it has all of the knowledge that you'd expect from one of these AI agents. For me particularly, what use case could I come up with? Well, if I'm, you know, potentially cooking at home, maybe I'm making pizza. We've discussed my, my, my fondness for uh, making pizzas at home. Maybe it will be an assistant and say, hey, you know, use this type of sauce or, you know, your pizza's burning. I think there's just a lot of different ways that you can uh, enhance a, a human when you have a uh, an AI agent living essentially on your face like that. I I think of it as like I'm, I'm a Marvel fan, you, right? Like this I'm is Jarvis in Sun real life. Sunglasses, sunglasses in the kitchen, <laughs> right. seven p.m. <laughs> but the, I mean, I, if you think about it, though, right? It's like this is now. If you're a fan of Iron Man, this is Jarvis in real life to you know, in a, a certain extent or the start of something that could look like that in the future. And I think that's a really powerful shift in the way that humans are going to interact with the digital world. If you think about it today, yes, you still have all of this knowledge at your fingertips, but it's at your fingertips, right? You have to use multi-touch, you have to look at a screen. Um, we could be seeing a new computing shift. We could be moving away from, you know, dedicated screens, carrying those around, and actually maybe we go to something that is more um, natural language in nature. Maybe it's more audio. Maybe we're you know, all walking around looking like we're talking to each other, but we're actually just talking to our assistant. Um, I think this really does begin to open the door and provide a basis, a realistic basis for how this can change the way we interact with the digital world. And so when are these available, did they say? I think the so the, the glasses are are going to be coming out soon, but then there will be a future update where you have this meta AI Im embedded. I think they talked about it being in the next year or so. Um, so it's not available on the device today, um, and I'm you know it's also not going to be on device. Right, this will still be cloud based, so you'll have to query it, and then it has to query the cloud. So there might be latency issues. You'll still need to have service. I think you know when you hear me speak about the potential future, 
what you know one of the concepts we discussed in brainstorm is you know how do you develop an on device so how do you embed a 7 billion 10 billion 12 billion parameter model into a device so it doesn't have to query the cloud so you're not uh you know bandwidth constrained it's actually something that's just directly on your device and one concept i brought up and i'd love your thoughts here sam is you know what if your phone you know you still have it for privacy to text you know you're not going to be talking all the time and you know querying or you know using the internet in that way but what if another primary use case for it becomes essentially a, a battery pack for a large language model because they are quite energy hungry um, you'd need a decent amount of storage space that probably cannot fit on a headset today or something sleek like what Meta is putting out. So what if, you know, a hardware device uh, like a phone has another use case now? And I think that is kind of an interesting way to think about it. But curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I'm, I think it makes sense to have the battery pack and then, uh, you know, it is making the true multimodal kind of gets back to the robot discussion from last week mm -hmm. as well. I've made this argument before that we're already sort of, you know, bionic in a sense, but the computer's on the outside and that's your smartphone. And this is kind of just equipping you with the, the eyes, you got the watch, the AirPods. I think AirPods are probably more interesting now than ever before, given yep. the power of audio. Um, and I also just want to tie in this tweet and, you know, you mentioned Jarvis capability from meta AI, uh, but this is Andre Karpathy tweeting who he was director of AI at Tesla. And now he says, you know, he's building a kind of Jarvis at open AI and the comparison, the too long, uh, you know, summary here is. Uh, LLMs, so large language models as chatbots, is the same as looking at early computers as calculators. We're seeing an emergence of a whole new computing program, and it is very, very early. I would agree. I think it is too narrow in scope to say, you know, the future for large language models will just be constrained to chatbots. Um, I give, you know, the example a lot of in a lot of different uh, settings about, you know, when we talk about the way that the future will unfold with early technology, you can't predict everything that's going to be built on top of new platform shifts. It would be, you know, wrong of us to sit here and say, you know, these are going to be this, you know, strict use cases for large language models. It would have been wrong of us when the iPhone was developed in 2007, 2008 to say, you know, here are all the apps that will be available on the app store. If someone could predict the rise of Uber and Airbnb, then, you know, they're a fortune teller or someone from the future. That's just really not how technology develops. Um, so I think it is true. And I think, you know, interestingly embedded in that tweet as well, Sam, is the idea of an operating system, right? Thinking of large language models as new operating systems that will direct and, you know, change the course of, again, how we interact with the digital world. Right. A new, a new user interface, something right. to think about. Right. Uh, you said you can't predict everything about a technology, but I'm going <laughs> to ask you to make a prediction. Oh, here okay. we go. I'm 0 for 2 on my predictions. I, I know, but this, realm, one's not, so. this one's not sports related. Okay, and Oculus you can't sales. check me on in a week. Oh, oh <laughs> if we're going sales. Oculus sales. Oh, no, no. Oculus sales, right? They always go like, no one cares. Holiday is great. Good gift. Then everyone never touches again. Holiday, great. Okay, Meta AI 
sunglasses. Obviously, seems like a fun holiday present, not too expensive, I don't imagine. Um, do these have more staying power than Oculus? I think it is going to change the course of how we view AR and VR. Again, these glasses you can't even really define as AR because there is actually no screen. This would all just be audio input. Um, so that's how you would, you know, navigate this world. But I think something we've discussed in the VR AR space is this idea and concept of chicken and the egg problem, right? The issue and the reason you see those spikes in the holiday and then everyone ends up putting their you know, headsets away for the remainder of the year is the software side of the equation. I think you look at the hardware specs of Quest 3 and, and AR, um, the hardware is there. What you need to have to have compelling use cases are there, but there aren't a lot of compelling use cases. It's still quite expensive to develop. But I think what you're seeing with AI is that it actually is a lot cheaper to develop um, AI and the cycle of innovation in AI is a lot faster than some of these more rigorous, um, you know, fully immersive experiences that are being developed. And so if you can bring in a new set uh, and a new category of developers that are focused on building out AI tools for the AR and VR space, I think you can see a major catalyst and that could lead to staying power for both just because I would assume the meta AI isn't just going to be embedded into the you know, smart glasses. It'll probably get embedded into the VR headset over time. And you, know, you could see it across a number of their software applications as well. And so I think that is something to consider when speaking about you know, how does this develop staying power over time. All right, let's move on to the next topic. And now we're going to be talking about WorldCoin with its CEO, Alex Blania. Alex, thanks for joining us. So thanks, let's just, for you me. know, for the basics, what what is WorldCoin? When did you join? Uh, and what's been going on? So WorldCoin is uh, three things. Actually, most importantly, two, which is a, a way to prove personal on the internet um, in a privacy-preserving manner that will work for it will work globally, independent of government identities. Uh, and so that is called World ID. And we issue these with a biometric hardware device we call the ORP that you might have seen somewhere. So it's a, it's a Chrome basketball size ORP. Uh, and second, there is a, a, a token uh, attached to this whole system that aligns all incentives around actually growing the network to real humans, which I do think is something very powerful and something we have not seen because we never had actual civil resistance, meaning we could not align incentives to grow a network of real humans. Then also we have a non-custodial wallet uh, called World App, which is the first wallet that connects to the protocol, uh, but many more will follow. And uh, the company was uh, started by Sam Altman, which you know, uh, probably know from OpenAI mostly. And he started this project together with me and uh, the third co-founder, Max, uh, because we believe that AGI is coming and it's coming rather quickly. And um, what Rockland will hopefully do is it will uh, act as a very important and fundamental in infrastructure that we need in the short term to uh, issue and kind of use proof of person on the internet, which is what we believe uh, something very important and something that we currently do not have as AI becomes increasingly profitable. And over the mid to long term, we think that 
uh, UBI is something that will come and will have to happen. And to issue UBI, you need uh, a proof of personal service and a way to economically reach everyone, which is hopefully uh, what we will be able to do. Um, so, and right before Rollcoin, I was in theoretical physics and applied AI to very large quantum systems. And that's essentially uh, how I met Sam. Alex, it's a, quite an interesting concept, and I think one that many companies are going after this proof of verification. You know, you see it with what Elon is doing at X, and it seems like a number of social platforms that already have this very large distribution are trying to solve this problem in a, in a more centralized manner. So why do you believe that it needs to be decentralized? And, you know, how are you trying to tackle this ground roots effort, right? You don't, or you didn't start with the distribution of a X or a Facebook, um, but you know, you're still out there trying to reach the masses because I assume for this to work, you need it to reach scale. You need it to reach, you know, a global network. Um, so curious if you can just provide any more thoughts on, you know, what we're seeing out there with this kind of verification um, system across a number of different platforms. Sure. So first, I will address your question on kind of what are kind of what are other people uh, in kind of the social companies trying to solve. They actually do something different, which is they use uh, government identities um, or payments, right? So I mean, Elon is very transparent about the fact that he doesn't believe they actually have the solution to it, and he just tries to patch things together to somewhat make it work, um, which is well, either you pay eight dollars or you do a KYC. Um, the problem with all of this is that for around half the global population, uh, there is not even a government identity that would work at kind of sufficiently strong AI. And the, the real number would probably be bigger. Like, I mean, it's very easy to understand ChatGPT, um, I think, is just the, kind of the first major service that made all of this clear. But what will happen in the coming years is that neither digital content nor intelligence will be a human discriminator anymore, and it will break much of the infrastructure we currently have. And so Worldcoin is actually, um, I mean, we spent a quarter billion dollars and a couple of years uh, to build something that is kind of as foundational as government infrastructure, right? So we solved the deduplication problem, meaning we use biometrics to um, and zero knowledge proofs to issue a very fundamental proof of humanness, proof of personhood that can work for everyone, no matter where you come from, no matter which country you're in. And it can also work for billions of people. And it is fully digital and uh, fully global standard. So um, I don't think we actually have direct uh, competition in any matter because it's just something so crazy and such a moonshot that no one was uh, crazy enough to, to try it. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think actually the social companies will be very happy to use us if it once we're at scale. So that, which brings me to the second point, I think the scale is the biggest is the biggest problem. And that's also mostly uh, what the current challenge of the of the project is and kind of what TVH. So I'm actually not see Rollcoin is a protocol, but I'm CEO of the Tools for Humanity, which is the development company uh, that launched Rollcoin. And we have a huge operations team of many people from Uber and Airbnb and places like that. And so a lot of what we're uh, solving right now is it, exactly that scale. Um, and I'm confident we will get there. But as you appreciate, it's very hard because you have a, you have a hardware device that needs to 
to be distributed globally. And then uh, the second part is why do I care that it, that this is something that is solved in a decentralized manner? Um, I think it's the same reasons for the whole space to exist, for the whole space crypto to exist. Like if you have an infrastructure that is as important as we believe this will be, um, it's rather important that it cannot be compromised. And again, decentralizing something that is uh, reliant on hardware is again much harder, but it is fundamentally possible. So, right. And and I guess maybe that gets into some of the controversy around Worldcoin. Right. There's, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's also questions about, you know, how do you go from centralized to decentralized? Uh, so, you know, how do you think about those and, and work through some of the, uh, or I guess help us cut through some of the noise that's out there to get on the same page as what the plan actually is? Yeah. So I think like the biggest, um, the biggest, uh, misconception um, and kind of the biggest thing we were kind of battling and tackling against since essentially we started working on this project, which by the way, we internally had the same reaction. So it's not surprising. It's like when we made the decision to work on Rollcoin, we did almost a year of research. We built everything from social graphs to fingerprints to face to trying to use government entities. We, we, we essentially went down every rabbit hole that you could possibly think about solving this problem. And we came to the conclusion that we have to use uh, kind of biometrics and we even have to go that far to build our own hardware device and that kind of iris. So the eye is the only thing that actually works on a large scale. And we had the same reaction. We're like, holy shit, this is going to sound like a privacy nightmare. Uh, <laughs> this is, is going to freak people out. This freaked, this freaked, freaked us out. Um, and the, however, like there is this interesting thing happening where as the protocol is designed um, and how we use zero knowledge proofs and all of these things is that I, I really do think we ended up in a place where it is profoundly the most privacy preserving solution we have to the problem. It's like there's literally uh, kind of the use of the protocol and your, your world ID is fully separate from your actual biometrics. Um, it's kind of cryptographically decoupled uh, and we would need a lot of progress in quantum computers to change anything about that. And that's what I did before. So we are far from that. Um, and so I think that's, that's the first one. The first reaction is like, oh, this is a privacy nightmare. And the answer is just, well, it's just clearly not. And, uh, of course that is not surprising because you need to understand your knowledge proofs and you need to actually understand the system. So I think that's just something that will resolve over time and will require like a lot of information. Not, not just from us, from the team, but also from people in the general ecosystem. Uh, so I think that's one. Two, around decentralization. Um, that's, we have a white paper out there that is unfortunately very long. It's like 130 pages. Uh, so it's like, I'm definitely not angry at anyone that is, did not read that. Um, <laughs> but um, we, we have a section around decentralization where we actually line out uh, all the challenges that we see and how we think we will address them. But that being said, we will also in, I think, either this month or next month, we will release kind of an in-depth top, top tier report on progress around decentralization that kind of explains all of these things. But the short TLDR is uh, you have um, right now Tools for Humanity is building these devices, these orbs, and then there's a separate entity called Rokon Foundation that is actually um, 
I'm fully decoupled with, I have no control over it, uh, has all the IP, it's a nonprofit, and has will set all the standards. And so how it will go is you will have, in the coming years, you will see many other companies building uh, orbs. Others will probably not call them orbs and maybe not make them shiny, shiny chrome. Um, but they will follow the same hardware standard and integrate with the protocol. Um, so, uh, and then there's a lot of kind of more details that of course come along with that, but I think we will, we will touch on all of them in quite some detail. Um, so that would be my, my initial response to your question. Got it. And then maybe we get to the heart of, you know, one of the, one of the founding thoughts here is that, you know, UBI will be a necessity. And maybe we can kind of go into that in a little bit more detail. Last week we were talking about automation and, you know, there's the BCG study with Harvard Business School showing whatever, 40% increase in productivity just from, you know, chat GPT like tools, uh, you know, will people have jobs? Won't people have jobs? Uh, so kind of, you know, what is your thinking with universal basic income and why that's going to be a necessity? Well, I do think actually the, the framing should be more, it's a chance that we for the first time realistically have, all right? Because um, we did not use the term UBI. Um, we, we started using it kind of in the super early days when Sam started the project, uh, he talked about it in terms of UBI. And we actually got a lot of kind of gut level rejection uh, immediately because it, it always gets to kind of, kind of the political level, the political system of like, okay, re, the government redistrib redistributes wealth. And that, that of course, um, robs people the very wrong, wrong way in, in, in a lot of ways, but AI is changing how things work very fundamentally. You will have a couple entities that will create much more wealth and much more uh, upside than probably any company that we currently observe or currently see uh, is, is creating. And uh, all of this will only accelerate over time. And so the chances that we can use uh, some of that to uh, lift everyone up. And I, I don't think that actually will we all have jobs. I do think we can choose not to uh, for, for the first time realistically. And I, that, that's a chance. I do think jobs will change. They will be very different. They will be uh, much more creative, hopefully. Uh, that we will have personally much more leverage. Like if we decide to go after a certain goal, systems will help us to attain that goal much faster and much more effective. So I think everything will change in the coming years. Uh, it's hard to say how it exactly will change, but um, at least we have the chance to lift everyone up equally as we go along. And that's very cool. That's very exciting. Yeah, Amazing. I, Alex. Well, oh, just ahead. yeah, one note. As this conversation is happening, I'm seeing headlines flag that Jamie Dimon is speaking and talking about, uh, you know, kids in the future will be working three and a half day work weeks. And so I think that kind of gets to the other underlying, you know, theme here, which is AI is going to be massively uh, helpful for workers out there, um, yep. but also reduce the amount of time they actually have to spend doing certain tasks, which gets back to the, you know, how do you then supplement, which I think you, most people will point towards UBI as some solution uh, to that problem. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. The last question, just don't even, no, not too much thought, although I'm sure you've given it plenty of thought. AGI, what year? 28. 
28. All right. There you have it. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Nick, when do you think AGI is happening? 2028. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the lead of the expert uh, in this in this instance. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. That's our show. Uh, we'll 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 be back next week.